your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Martinez gets a shotgun snap, holding, holding, looking, looking. Now he's going to take off. Adrian still looking, throws to the back of the end zone, passes bobbled, and then caught on the deflection for a touchdown. As it is Levi Falk making the catch on the deflected ball. The walk-on from Minnesota makes a touchdown grab here in the final three minutes of the game. Sports Nightly is presented by the NDOT Highway Safety Office, who reminds you to buckle up and put the phone down. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Appropriate to have a Levi Falk highlight in the open. He's coming back next year for the Huskers, taking advantage of that one-time exemption from the NCAA. He added his list to the name of seniors who are going to take advantage of that one extra year of college football. Welcome to a Friday edition of Sports Nightly here on the Husker Sports Network. Hope you had a good day today. You're into a holiday weekend. Martin Luther King Day coming up on Monday. So for a lot of you, three-day weekend. Good for you. That's good. A nasty day weather-wise for parts of the state, at least here in the eastern half with blowing snow, blizzard-like conditions. So be careful if you're out driving around in the Lincoln-Omaha area up in the North Fork, some of those spots, Wayne uh, be careful if you're out driving around here tonight. Here's what we have on the program for you. Chris Bazin of the Lincoln Journal Star is going to be here. We're going to talk some Husker basketball. Uh, see where, where this thing may be headed for this team after cancellations this week of the Illinois game on Wednesday, the Maryland game set for tomorrow. What's it look like? When does he think this team maybe can get back on the court? And what's holding this team back from winning games? We'll get Chris's take on that. That's his beat, is covering Husker basketball. He'll be with us here a little bit later on in the hour. Next hour of the show, Nick Hanley, who joins Ben and I for Husker Baseball, also with our Omaha affiliate, AM590. He's going to come along. We'll get his take on what's been happening in the sports world as it relates to the Huskers and his thoughts about things in the sports world. So, Nick, coming up in hour number two, Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network will be here. It's a Friday tradition during the NFL season to chat with Ian. And the, uh, the playoffs continue tomorrow in the NFL. Two games tomorrow, two games on Sunday. We'll get Ian's take on all those. And got to talk about Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer back in coaching, first time jumping into that NFL pool, going to Jacksonville with the Jaguars and see what he can do with Jacksonville uh, moving forward. So we'll hear Ian's take on that. Third hour of the show, we'll have our weekend preview with Ben, a weekend review, and our winners and losers of the week. And as always, phone lines open and available for you at 531-500-4686. That also doubles up as our U.S. Cellular text line. U.S. Cellular, proud to be the official wireless sponsor of the Huskers. U.S. Cellular connecting Husker Nation. But we start off with news of the day. Another day, another, I mentioned Levi Falk, Ben, but the bigger news was Ben Stilley coming back. I think we had anticipated that. And this was kind of one of the last days to do that. The NFL deadline is is Sunday night, Monday morning. And the Husker players are supposed to be back to start winter conditioning on Monday. So Ben Stilley is back. How big a news is this in your eyes? Yeah, I mean, I think it's fairly significant. I think, uh, you know, one of our big concerns entering last year was Nebraska's lack of experience on the defensive line. There were a lot of guys that – you know, played roles, but didn't actually um, have starting roles or be relied upon as every down type players 
for that defensive line, and Stilly was really the only one that you turned to with any significant experience. You know, we had seen DeAndre and Damian, you know, play here and there, and then, you know, we weren't sure what we were going to get from guys like Jordan Riley. Turns out, you know, the knee injury just never really got going for him this year. I would expect next year to be, you know, more of an impact year for him. Uh, Keem Green couldn't seem to get it figured out, and, you know, we didn't know what to expect from Ty Robinson, who we saw very little of um and then Casey Rogers kind of comes out of nowhere and, and has a pretty good year so I think you know when you when you start to think about what Nebraska returns next year you're feeling a lot better or at least more confident um than what you have in that spot than you did last year especially with the news of Stilly and the the other reason that it's big is because it's just another one of those um you know experienced players that uh, provides the leadership, the accountability, the buy-in factor, all those things that people are probably questioning right now uh, with this team, um, brings that back into the locker room, which is huge. So, yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, him coming back for a lot of reasons is big, but those are probably my, you know, knee-jerk reactions to the news today and how he's going to help the team next year. How much of a leader do you think he is on this team? No, I think I think he's a huge leader. I mean, I'll, I think all you have to do is look at the the Twitter feeds of some of his teammates on the D line to re, the reaction of him coming back. That would suggest that. So yeah, I mean, I think the leadership aspect of it. Um, been through a lot in his career. He's had to grow a ton as a player to even, I mean, physically grow as a player to be even be, you know, to a position where he could play and contribute at this level. So. A lot of experience, a lot of leadership, and all that you know factors into um, this being a huge win for Eric Janander. I was going to say that next. What a week for Eric Janander. I mean, you, you get Ben Stilley, Will Honus, the two safeties, Williams and Dismuke coming back. Uh, a week or so ago, we learned that Cam Taylor Britt was coming back. I mean, it's been a it's been a happy New Year so far for Eric Janander, has it not? Yeah, I mean, it, and it kicked off with JoJo, and that was kind of the biggest you know surprise and, and you know you felt like you had you had gotten one back so to speak you won on the road or you know that that that's not one that you expected to get with with Jojo um so absolutely huge week for him and you know to think of think about it Greg if if let's just say half of those guys decide to not come back that changes how you approach the off season as a defensive coordinator you're you're worrying about okay we got to we got to get you know meetings we got to talk about scheme we got to start talking about leadership transition we got to start talking about all this stuff you know if you're losing some of these guys like a jojo or either of the safeties or or ben stilly the, the guys that you know you can you know, do a lift with you can throw a weightlifting group out there and and not have to feel like you have to look over your shoulder or ask how it went or whatever because you've got guys in there that are going to make sure it goes the right way and guys are doing the right things and hold each other accountable so yeah i mean I didn't. I didn't know that we expected to be talking so glowingly about the defense compared to the offense here in the start of year four with Coach Frost, but yet I don't think much has gone to plan with this with this coaching staff since they've been here. So we're we're all adjusting, and you know I don't care if it's offense, defense, special teams. You got got to find one source of stability on on one aspect of the game um, to feel good about right now because we know how much growth the offense needs to have and. You know, special teams is a big talking point, especially yesterday um, on the program as well. So, yeah, I mean, you've just got to find some stability. And, you know, if Nebraska's relying on its defense in 21, so be it. I mean, let's just find a way to win some games. 
Absolutely. All right. Um, the other bit of news that came out today, and I, I don't think this is going to surprise anybody, but Wandale Robinson has found a landing spot, and it's he's gone back to the bluegrass of Kentucky. He's going to be a Wildcat. That is the school that he committed to originally as a senior in high school, then flipped to Nebraska, and now he's headed back. So pretty much as predicted, expected, right? Yeah, I mean, good on him. Uh, this was the, the the much more preferable landing spot than Purdue. I I, I wouldn't want to see Wandale in the league, um, you know, and because you, you you want to wish him the best, but you're also you know g- going to be a little stung if you see him with ten for one seventy and two scores against Indiana. You know, it's not going to feel too good. So, uh, especially the way that you know they were using Rondale and you know David Bell and some of those other players as well. So yeah, Kentucky, good. Go compete in the SEC. We'll be following and. You know, hopefully your uh, your usage, uh, which that that seems to be uh, you know a big topic of conversation around people in his camp. Not even haven't heard that so much from Wandale, but other other people in his circle that they weren't happy with how he was used in Lincoln. Um, well, have fun watching you against uh, you know some of the SEC schools and and wish him well. You know, if, if he'd if he'd have done something like a Purdue, Adam Rittenberg did not even floated the name Cincinnati out there. That wouldn't have jived very well with the the story that he, you know, the the comments that he put out when he announced that he was leaving here. That it was his mom has mom has an illness. She does and above and beyond COVID nineteen. She has a, a, a an illness, and so for him to get back there, that's totally understandable. But if if it had been a Cincinnati or a Purdue, you would have kind of gone, oh, I don't know. But th- this this fits into that makes sense for him. And now you can, as a Husker, you, you, you close the book. That's the end of yeah. the chapter for Wandale Robinson, right? I mean, you don't, you, whatever, you might follow some highlights next fall, but you move on. Yeah. I mean, I, Luke Gifford said it best with us earlier this week. And this is a guy that's, you know, been through it. He's been through transfers, um, you know, sooner or later, it doesn't matter who's gone. It, well, what matters is who's there. I mean, that, that, that's what, I mean, it sounds so, so stupid and simple, but that's what it is. You know, you, you, do, you don't worry about those guys once they're gone. They're, they're not here anymore. All you, all you can worry about are the guys in your locker room. And hopefully that's, that's who everybody's worried about. And they're not, you know, they're, they're not worried about other places. They're not worried about what other guys are doing. They're, they're only worried about the players that are in there getting dressed, going to practice every day, lifting weights every day. That's who matters at the end of the day. It doesn't matter where these guys end up. The, once they decide to leave, they decide to leave and wish them well and move on. And I think, yeah, this, much like J.D. last year, you know, found his home in, in Fort Worth, wish them well, move on. When the Huskers aren't playing, watch them on TV. I mean, that's, that's just what it is. You know, we talked last night, and we're going to talk more later when we get Ian on about Urban Meyer making the jump to the NFL. That there's some underlying current out there that there are a handful of college coaches, Ben, who are more tempted now to make maybe look at a job in the pros. And, and one of the fl- the floating thoughts out there is that this transfer portal and an expected passing by the NCAA of a one-time transfer rule has got college coaches kind of rethinking their profession a little bit. I mean, th- this is crazy. And and think about how much Husker football news we've had in the last three weeks. Now, this is even above and beyond because of the extra year that the NCAA is granting these kids because of, of COVID here in 2020. But this transfer portal thing is a big change, right? It's a huge change in, in college sports. 
and, and particularly if you can transfer and not sit a year, and I think that's going to be passed. I mean, this is, it's a whole new ballgame, isn't it, for college for college sports, and, and as I'm thinking about it right now, as, as it relates to college football. 100%. And I'm remembering, you know, talks that we had in the studio, which seemed, seemed about five years ago now, and there were some coaches in there and that, that, that were on our staffs from, from, you know, from Nebraska. I don't want to say who it is or what sport they were with, but, you know, that kind of – we were in there talking with them and just about the direction that we were going, and – I believe the quote was all hell's going to break loose and that's mm-hmm. exactly what's happening, you know, and you, th- my big worry with this all, when we were all speculating that this might be where we're at and now none of us expected a pandemic to kind of pour gasoline on the fire and, and expedite this deal. But the free market of players concerns me because, you know, tampering is against the rules in the NBA. It's not against the rules in college. And I can tell you for a fact, just based on, the guys that Nebraska has had leave in their certain situations that there have been contact with schools while they're enrolled in Lincoln and while they're practicing for the Huskers. And that makes me really uncomfortable. I, I don't like that. And look, Nebraska is not the only place this happens. It's going to happen all across the country. It's probably happened to every team that's had a player transfer that there's conversations with players. Hey, I'm getting wind that you're not happy. You know, if, if you decide to make the move, you got a shoulder to cry on over here at this school, or we'll be, I'll be at this school waiting for your call. If you're looking for a home, we're here. Like the idea that those texts and those DMs and those phone calls are happening while players are already on a team uh, makes me super uncomfortable. And you know, any more with the quote unquote free market of of college athletes and college football players. And even if there's just a rumor of a player sniffing around, that's a that's of quality talent. The recruiting's going to begin when they're already wearing that team's apparel every day when they're going to class or whatever. And I just, I don't know that it's probably going to be the new norm and we're all going to have to adjust to it. I'm just saying it's going to take a while for me to get used to that happening. And the idea of, you know, a player suiting up for Nebraska and starting at, at wide receiver or you're lining up at corner or you're playing safety and then you're getting home on a plane and the next day while you're in, you're in treatment, you're talking to another coach from another uh, from another school. Just doesn't sit well with me, and I know it's going to happen. And I know there's probably no stopping it from happening. You just hope that you know guys are happy enough and have enough character to say, "Look, dude, I, I'm a Husker, or I'm uh, I'm a Seminole, or I'm, I'm a Trojan, or whatever." Like I, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to entertain this right now. If I transfer, then I, you know, but. These kids are young. They're impressionable. As we find out, they've most of them have a, a circle of, of influence with people in their lives telling them what to do. And, uh, yeah, it's it's just a tough situation. It just makes me uncomfortable. You know, the, the, the other side of this argument is, is that a lot of sports at the college level, you've been able to transfer and not sit for a year. Football has been exempt. Football, you had to sit. Basketball, you've had to sit. Um, baseball, you've had to sit. I can't. There's one more. Is it wrestling? One more sport. The rest of them, you can transfer and play right away. And so that's why I think the argument is, well, if you're allowing it in two-thirds of the sports, it's not fair to do it to the one-third of athletes that yeah. see a golfer or a tennis player or a swimmer or I think volleyball. It's even you've been able to be able to transfer and not sit out as well. So that's the other side of that. 1,200 names, over 1,200 names in the portal this year. Do you believe that's? A high number 
or is that what it's going to be every year? I kind of feel like that's what it's going to be every year around I, that I, number. I, yeah, I feel like it may fluctuate. I think there, there, it may be down. It may be up. I'm not sure what COVID has to do with this. I'm, I'm sure that, you know, there there are a certain percentages of, you know, if you're looking at any sets of data, right, and, you know, for those that took, like, statistics in high school or college, if you notice a trend, something going up, um, you know, there, there, there are deviating factors along in there that can help influence that curve, right? Well, mm-hmm. one of the things that's that's influencing this curve is COVID-19, and I think it's deviating the curve up a little bit. But I also think when COVID-19 starts to go away, we hope sometime soon, the, the deviation then is that that number may come down a little bit, but we're returning to that plane of a steady increase from year to year. So it may dip a little bit, but I think that number is going to come right back up. If I had to guess right now, um, I just see, you know, it's a trend. And, it, and it, again, another deviation to that to that curve may be if this one-time transfer gets passed, and that is a real thing, and, and there is a, a, a free waiver. You can expect another skyrocket. You can expect yeah. another um, increase in, in that in, in that area. And I will say this to, to your, to counterpoint to what you were saying that, you know, the football should be treated no differently. What other school when you're getting recruited has 24 hours of coverage dedicated on national networks to their signing day on what, you know, what other sport has kids sitting at a table with five hats or, you know, it just football is a different animal. And so it's not always apples to apples, football to softball or football to, to baseball. I think there, there is some differences. And football will have a different impact just because the rules are the same. It will impact football differently than other places just because it's so big, it's so popular, and, and people are invested so much into it. Not to say that other sports aren't invested, but we all know, you know, the landscape of college football compared to some of the other college sports, it's – just look at the revenues. It's just a different beast. And, and I, I understand the blanket rule, but I'm just saying it's, it's probably going to have a different impact on football than other places. Absolutely. Delighted to welcome on board the program. Chris Bassett of the Lincoln Journal Star. You getting any sleep these days, my friend? <laughs> very little, Greg. Very little. But you know what? It's, it's all worth it. A new papa. What are you, two weeks in? Uh, a little over two weeks. Yep, December twenty eighth. Uh, Palmer Elliott Bassett joined joined the family. First child for my wife Megan and I. He came, unlike his dad, he showed up early. So he, I, I'm not sure where where he got that from. But yeah, mom and baby are doing great, and we're we're just thrilled to have him. Got any hair? Yeah, a little bit. A uh, little. He's got. He's a little bit of a redhead, strawberry blonde. So oh. pretty cool. Yeah. Well, fantastic. Congratulations to you and your wife. And, yeah, your, your life has changed, but for the better. So enjoy, enjoy the time at home there. Uh, it has not been an enjoyable time for Husker Hoops. Uh, been, been on pause during the week. What do we know? What do we expect? When, when, do you think this, when do you think we see this team back on the court again? Yeah, it's 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 tough to tell, you know, it's without knowing how many guys have tested positive, whether it's, you know, players who, of course, have to sit out 17 days uh, because of the Big Ten protocols or whether it's it's coaches or, or staff or managers. You know, it sounds like things are kind of pointing toward being able to, to kind of ramp up a little bit for that Minnesota game uh, next week uh, on the 20th and maybe get back for that. We'll obviously have to kind of wait and see how it goes. That's the thing. You know, I think so much of this changes day by day, hour by hour, and we've seen it not only, you know, with Nebraska, but, you know, happened to Michigan State the 
the other day. They were about ready to get on a plane before their game against Iowa got postponed because of some positive tests with the Spartans. So it's it's just kind of playing the waiting game right now. It's it's something everybody has to do. And, you know, I know Coach Hoiberg talked about this before the season. You just hope you can avoid it as best you can. But virus doesn't discriminate. And, and it got a few guys at Nebraska. So now you just have to kind of wait and see how things shake out over the next few days. Chris, you mentioned the 17-day. That's a change, right? The league has dropped that from 21 to 17. When when did that happen? And obviously that helps a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah, it certainly certainly does. Uh, it certainly helps, obviously, every team in the Big Ten. It, it, the change happened um, kind of right at the end of December, early January. Um, I think it's just one of those deals where, you know, you, you learn a little more about how this how this virus works and, and how your body recovers from it and, and things like that. And so the Big Ten made the adjustment from 21 to 17. And, and yeah, certainly – that helps quite a bit because uh, you think of a guy like Ivan Wadryogo who who mm-hmm. missed the game uh, last week, you know, and and who's going to get be able to get back a, a little bit quicker and provide them some depth on the front line. And and again, who, whoever else may have tested positive allows them to get back. And you know, especially with basketball, where where you can play two or three games in a week, and, and even more now maybe with with the rescheduled games that are that are going to be popping up here. So yeah, four four days is a lot, especially in basketball because you're talking about multiple games you're going to be able to get back that you maybe couldn't have gotten back before. So this came into effect after the Huskers got Eduardo Andre back, right? He he had to go through that 21-day cycle. Yeah, yeah. Eduardo had, had the 21-day sit out back in back when back when the season started in November. Yeah. Um, I think I think it changed. I, I want to say mid to late December, okay. right? Right as we got towards the end of the year. So yeah, Eduardo just missed out on that. Visiting with Chris Bazin, the Lincoln Journal star here on Sports Line. He covers Husker basketball. Do you anticipate these games that are getting canceled to be made up, or maybe some of them? Uh, what, are you, what are you hearing on that front? Yeah, I think we'll see some of them. I think it's going to depend, you know, at the end of the at the end of the, all this, how many games do end up getting postponed. You know, we've already seen a few teams around the league get some games rescheduled, and, and the league built its conference schedule knowing that there would be postponements, and there's some open days in there. And you know, Nebraska's got a stretch where they go, you know, I think five days between games, and they have a stretch where they go six days between games, and then that last week of the season they have a stretch where they go seven days between games. So, you know, there's spots to to kind of squeeze those games in and you know what it means you're going to be playing a lot of basketball but playing basketball sure beats the heck out of not playing basketball I'm sure if you asked all the players they'd they'd much rather be playing so there is some wiggle room there it was built into the schedule and you just hope you know if you're Nebraska if you're Michigan State if you're any of these teams that you don't have too many games get postponed you know I think it's Michigan State is playing four games in seven days and seven games in 16 days now just because of the postponements they have Nebraska's probably going to be looking at something like that, depending on how things kind of shake out here over the next few weeks and once we get into February. So, yeah, that that was one thing the Big Ten, I thought, did a good job of was building in some of those open days and some of those quote-unquote bye weeks so they, they could reschedule if they had to, and, and now Nebraska's going to be able to take advantage of that. Got it right with foot, with with basketball, didn't they? Where they didn't give themselves yeah, yeah, a they, kind of they, leeway like in football. Like they learned their lesson from football, yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah, you know what? And, and hey, it sounds like a lot to play that many games, but these are kids. These are kids that played AAU basketball, where they might have played two games in a day. Well, you know, so to them, you're right. They'd much rather play than just go through a, a boatload of practices. So hopefully, they can get those in. Let's talk about this team a little bit. Uh, you know, I think we would all agree that they're more talented than they were a year ago. And yet they're not winning. What are you seeing? What do you what do the numbers say? What do the coaches say about what's preventing them from getting some games in the win column right now? 
Yeah, you know, it's 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 a little bit like football, right? I think you you have to win one, and and that kind of opens the floodgates a little bit. And there's there's a lot that goes into it uh, when you're where Nebraska is right now. And one, they're playing in a really good league. They're playing in the best league in the country where there are no gimmies. You know, there's not a night where you look at the schedule and go, okay, well, we'll get a little bit of a breather here. It just it doesn't happen. You're playing a in a conference that's probably going to have at least 10 NCAA tournament teams and maybe a couple more on the bubble. And all of a sudden you pretty much got the whole conference accounted for in the NCAA tournament, you know? So it's just, it's a, it's just really, really hard to win in this league period, no matter who you are, whether you're Nebraska or Michigan or Wisconsin or anybody else, it's just really hard. And I think the other part of it is too, Nebraska's I think struggled a little bit more offensively than they than they thought they were going to. You know, that's something Fred Hoiberg talked about, you know, all through the summer workouts into the preseason was he thought he had a team, he thought he had a really good offensive team. And they haven't shot the ball well from three point range. Um and that's kinda kinda messed everything else up. It, it shrinks those driving lanes a little bit. It makes it a little tougher to get to the basket. It it messes up the spacing a little bit and they just they don't have enough consistent threats around the perimeter right now to kind of run the offense that Fred Hoiberg wants to run. And again, that makes it tough, especially when you've played from, you're playing from behind, like Nebraska has uh, through these first five league games. They, you're right. I think they're, they're more talented than last year. They're deeper than last year. I think they defend pretty well for the way Fred Hoiberg wants to play, but the offense just hasn't quite gotten there yet. And it hasn't allowed Nebraska to play with a lead. I think you would see, with the way Fred Hoiberg wants to play with, with pace and with shooting and getting up and down the court and, and causing turnovers and things like that. It's a lot easier to do that when you're, you know, up seven, eight, 10 points, as opposed to having to dig out of a seven, eight, 10, 15 point hole every night. So there's a lot that goes into it. You know, it's, it's just hard to win every night in this league. And and if you're not, it's, it's, this is the simple part of it. If you're not making shots, that makes it a lot harder. So if, if Nebraska can find some outside shooting here over the next couple of weeks, I think you're going to see those wins start to come. Yeah, and I was encouraged that Lat got a few to go down the other night against Indiana. We, Indiana was also the debut for Derek Walker. What did you make of his performance, and how big of, of an impact can he have now on this team? Yeah, I think he's going to have a huge impact. And you, you saw a player that still needs to get into game shape. You know, it, it's one thing to practice and, and do all those things and run the sprints with your guys. And it's a completely different thing to play in a game. And, and that's a, that's part of what having these games postponed, that that really hurts Nebraska too because it's two games that Derek Walker can't get on the court and get himself into game shape. But you saw it the other night. It's it's a guy that's a really effective finisher around the rim. He's going to be really effective in the, in the pick and roll game and dive into the basket and kind of open it some things up for the the ball handlers in those pick and roll situations he's a guy that that gives you a physical presence on defense we saw him block a shot uh pretty emphatically at the rim the other night but it's it's just going to take a little time for him he's he's certainly going to help if there was an area where nebraska needed some more depth it was in the post and they, they needed a guy that could be an effective finisher and Derek Walker gives you those two things. And he gives you a guy also that played on some really good teams at Tennessee, he played on a sweet 16 team, at Tennessee. So he knows what it takes uh, to win tough games, to play tough teams and, and to kind of stick with it long enough to, to win some of those games. So he provides on the court, you know, the tangible things you can see are things Nebraska really needs as far as finishing and rebounding and things like that. But he also provides that off-the-court stuff, too, the leadership, the understanding of what it takes to compete at a high level. And that's a guy that's really going to help Nebraska going forward. Um, you know, I know, the, I know the players are frustrated because the wins aren't there. The staff has to be frustrated. But I've been impressed with the calm 
demeanor of the of the head coach. I, I I know it's tearing him apart inside, Chris, but he he's really he's handled this really well, and I know it's driving him crazy. What have you What have you seen like when covering him now for almost two years? Yeah, it's. I think that's you know the defining characteristic of Fred Hoiberg. He's just he's always got his wits about him. He's always able to kind of keep things in perspective and, and have an eye on the big picture and what they're building towards. And, and he stays consistent in that. And, and you're right. You know, you're talking about a guy that played professional basketball at the highest level for a long time. And, and you know, unfortunately he didn't get to leave on his terms with his heart condition. And so he, you know, he's dealt with worse things than losing some basketball games. I, and I think he'd tell you that too, but it, it's, it's exactly what Nebraska needs as far as leadership in this situation. Cause it's hard. It, you know, they've lost 21, one straight regular season big 10 games and and that's no fun it's no fun to lose two straight and you need a guy that's able to to stay in control to stay calm to stay level-headed and and to be consistent in that message that hey we've just got to keep plugging away at it we're doing the right things and the wins are going to come eventually we've just got to stay with it and when you've got a coach like that that trickles down to the rest of your team. You know, you hear that that so often that a team takes on the the characteristics of its coach, and I think you you've seen that by and large with Nebraska. This is a team that they they stick with it pretty well. You know, they they dig themselves holes, yes, but they 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 stay in it and they fight and they keep trying to do the things that Fred Hoiberg wants them to do and. It's just a matter of time, and I think Fred Horberg is aware of that. He's been around the game long enough at, at the college level, certainly at the NBA level as a coach, as a player, as an executive. He's he's seen all there is to see in this game, and if you've got someone like that on your side, that's that's an unbelievable asset to have when things are going rough like they are for Nebraska right now. Yeah, he's got to be a fun guy to, to to cover. I mean, he's very open, and man, I just I love talking to the guy. This has been fun to do. Chris, we appreciate it. Good to have you back on the beat. Uh, enjoy that that little one in your house, and uh, we'll, we'll catch up with you down the road. Thanks so much for having me, Greg. I appreciate the kind words, and, and happy new year to you guys. So right now, let's go to that Woodhouse Auto Family hotline and talk to Nick Hanley. Happy New Year, my friend. How the heck are you? I, you know, you're a new dad. I mean, this is, life's got to be good right now, huh? I uh, know I've like grown two inches since you last saw me, and no, happy New Year to you guys as well. It's uh, it's it's been uh, <laughs> it's been a it's been a fun ride so far with the the little guy right now. In fact, he's I just had to hand him off to the wife so uh, so I could come down here. I, I know he wants to meet Uncle Greg soon too. So you know, can't wait. Are you sleeping much? He actually had his longest sleep this week he gave us uh right about seven hours oh so we're come he's, on. he's gonna be three months tomorrow so yeah we got seven hours in you're living the dream is what you're doing right now well he usually comes back with like a three and a half hour night too <laughs> yeah. so he, he doesn't want to get yeah. too comfortable with it so yeah no doubt well i know you've been you've been following all this this husker football news in the last couple of weeks what what do you make of it what 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 have been some of the the positives and what or or maybe a red flag or two that you've seen from the husker program in the last couple of weeks well i think the positives and really i think this week would have been a pretty good net positive when you think of the additions from the transfer portal and then especially with the defensive returners i mean that's huge and the buy-in seems to be there with those guys, the upperclassmen and Eric Schnander and that entire staff. So, I, I mean, I think you you have to start with that. And it's just so hard, though, to to overstate the importance of, of Wandale Robinson. I mean, you know, Greg, we know that this offseason, the, the question was always going to be, 
this offense under the looking glass with Scott Frost and, and you know, how are they going to try to get this group more consistent? How are they going to be able to kind of get their points up while the defense trying to bring their points down? And, and Wondell Robinson is going to be a big part of that. So I, I think that that is, is definitely tough news, no matter how you look at it. Now, the, the great news, you know, kind of around that, I kind of feel bad for Samori Ture because I think Monday, that was really good news. And, and you know, I've watched some of his highlights too. And I mean, this kid looks like he is a legitimate player, somebody who could really help out Nebraska. And, you know, hopefully he can be kind of a, a big producer for this offense. But then you get the Wandale news and, and that kind of dampens it a little bit. Then you find out today Levi Falk is returning, which is good. Uh, Marquis Step coming out of the transfer portal to Nebraska. I mean, those are all good things. But it, it's just hard to kind of brush aside the, the Wandale news and, and think of it as anything other than just disappointing because it's not just because of the player that we've seen him be and the player that we didn't get to see him be because he wasn't, you know, used in that traditional slot that I'm sure he wants to be in. And I'm sure that this, you know, his coaching staff, you know, ultimately wanted to utilize him in, but just the kind of guy he is. I mean, one of the faces of Nebraska football you know, just a, a stand-up kid. I mean, you, there's just you, you can have no ill will towards him, and, and you sympathize for you know his situation with the family too and his mother. But it's it's just a tough loss. I mean, you you lose a good player, but you also lose a good representative of this football program. So I mean, I, I've been getting the questions, and I'm sure you guys do too. Of you know what's going on in Lincoln? Is there you know dissent on the offensive ranks? And and I, I wouldn't go that far. But I mean. You, Anytime you lose a player of that caliber, sure, there, there's legitimate questions that hopefully will be will be answered in time. Nick Hanley of our Omaha field at AM590 with us here on Sports Nightly tonight. I asked Ben this question last year. I want to ask you the same thing. Over 1,200 names in that transfer portal this year. Is that going to be the norm, do you think, going forward? Or was because of COVID this year that that's an excessive number? Where, where do you see that going for college football in the future? You know, I, I think COVID does have a lot to do with it. But having said that, I think the fact that COVID has happened and you've seen a lot of these players do that, I mean, you know, who, what's to say that the you know the next crop of players that is at least evaluating where they currently stand with their, their team and are they feeling like they're utilized the way they want to, uh, you know, do they feel overall comfortable? I, I think it could start to kind of head in that direction. Now I do think the number right now is a bit of an outlier, but I just think that we are going to continue to see that sort of trend. I've never liked it. I mean, I, I know the days of, you know, being able to stick it out and, and wait for your opportunity and trying to make the most of that op- that opportunity, that, that's just not commonplace anymore. And I, I think we we all probably need to understand that. But it, it doesn't mean that you have to be okay with somebody giving their full commitment to you as a program. And just because you don't like the fact that maybe you didn't win a, a certain competition or that you're just having a tough time with things that are not necessarily on the program or the coaches, but, but you yourself, look, it's, it's easy for, it's easy for young people to make excuses for their shortcomings. And I'm not trying to suggest that's what happened with Wandale or anything, but you know, we, we do see those players that sometimes they will look to better their situation because they feel like they weren't used correctly or there was some type of agenda against them. And then they'll go to another place and then they'll realize, huh, I'm not playing here either, but refuse to kind of look at the common denominator, which is them. And you, you know it as well as I do. Sometimes it's hard for young adults that are trying to make that transition into 
the maturity of what it takes to be a big-time player, it's tough for them to look themselves in the mirror and say, I need to do something about it. I can't continue to point the finger. You know, I got to look at myself and say, am I putting the work in? Am I maximizing what I should be doing to put myself in a position to play? And and I think there are still a lot of transfers that hit the portal that kind of have that mindset. And and to me, that's always like the, the group that's like, like that. That's the the most disappointing thing about it. I think it's so much of them growing up in this travel team era, Nick, where if they don't like the way they're being treated by one coach in the travel team era, I'm just going to jump to a different team or they're not playing Mm -hmm. me at the right position. So they just jump. And so they carry that same mentality off to college. And it's, yeah, Yeah. it drives me crazy too, but I don't think we're going to reverse back on it. I want to get your thoughts. You know, Ben and I also in the the first hour talking about the NCAA basketball tournament, which is coming up in March, is going to be put in the state of Indiana John Cook the other day kind of alluded to this on a press conference that with the Final Four for volleyball slated to be in Omaha, that maybe maybe Omaha slash Lincoln combines to be the entire home for the NCAA volleyball tournament. Is that possible? And I don't even know that they would need to take it out of Omaha. I think there's enough arenas in just the Omaha metro that they could probably do it all there, couldn't they? Absolutely. They've got the facilities to do it. And, I mean, you, you look at, obviously CHI health center, but of course, Baxter arena is, is very new. And then, yep. I mean, even the Ralston arena, if you had to do that as well, and you know, the, so the cool. hotel situation is great. You know, there's yeah. SoCal as well. That's a, another great venue too. So, I mean, there, there's so many, there's so many, I think positives about that. And the thing that we've learned Greg during this, this time of sports is the, the amount of success that you have seen in those bubbles. And we've seen it from the professional level, but we've also seen it at the collegiate level. I just saw it here locally with uh, NCHC hockey. They had the pod for three weeks in December. They had zero positives. And now you have a bunch of teams that once they got outside that pod, they're having all kinds of issues. The, the importance of the NCAA tournament, we knew there is no way that they could not go into 2021 and protect that asset because if they didn't have an NCAA tournament again, I mean, we're talking about smaller schools having to cut athletics, period. Not just yeah. cut a sport here and there. I mean, cutting athletics, period. So, you know, no wasn't an option. So how do you best mitigate that risk of COVID? Well, they, I think they did the right thing. And with volleyball, maybe it's not the same kind of revenue generator as the NCAA tournament, but it's very important, and especially for our local economy in the state of Nebraska and Omaha. It's important to have that tournament there. I don't know what the attendance would look like if there'll be anything at all. But you got to if you if you postpone these events and you postpone these seasons, you got to preserve it the best you can. Now, is it always going to be 100 percent effective? No, I don't think we can ever count on that with anything going on with COVID. But whatever you can do to mitigate that risk and these players and these teams, they work so hard to get to that point. You want to allow them the best opportunity to see it through. And so I, I definitely think that should be on the table. I do too, and I'm I'm almost going to be surprised, Nick, if they don't do it with volleyball there. I think by by May and June for for baseball, I think there's going to be enough vaccinations available across the country that we may not have to be dealing with. I hope so. I hope by then it's yeah. everybody who wants a vaccination has been able to get theirs. Uh, by then, speaking of baseball, 
I'm not liking what I'm hearing from the Big Ten that they're just going to limit this to conference only. I need you to use all of your powers uh, to get a hold of Kevin Warren and shake some sense in him. It doesn't make sense how, you know, and and even the the money argument doesn't fit with me, Nick, because – what you're, you're you're getting in a bus to go from Lincoln to Omaha or Lincoln to Manhattan or in, in back east? A lot of those schools are close to Mac schools or Missouri Valley schools. Are you kidding me? You're talking about a bus ride to go play a game, right? I, I think you know it's not just Nebraska. I think every team and every time we go out to a weekend series, we look at their midweek game, and a lot of those games are you know Minnesota. They play you know Augsburg, North Dakota is, State, you know, yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, so you're playing schools that are within driving distance that they can come to you or you can go to them. And, you know, yeah, here in in Omaha, you've got Creighton and then UNO and UNO's open up their brand new facility, which is, is super nice. And not to have the opportunity to make a 40 minute bus ride over there or those teams going out to Lincoln to me makes zero sense or going to Manhattan, Kansas or even Tulsa. I mean, all those things you can you can yeah. drive and and make a quick trip of it. And then yet it's OK to get on a flight and get out to Piscataway or State College. Right. I mean, it, it's such a short-sighted way to look at it that, hey, the best way to protect our student-athletes is to keep them within the conference. Now, that might make more sense in a geographically you know, logical conference like the Big 12 where everything is pretty much close to each other other than West Virginia. But in the Big 10, I mean, it's so spread out that – you're you're denying all of those schools the opportunity to play non-conference it's not like you know the the big 10 schools are saying hey we want to be in florida we want to be in texas we want to be in arizona during during uh february they're just saying no we want to be able to play midweek games with the local teams the teams within our proximity that we can make bus trips to or they can make bus trips to us i just i feel like they're really selling themselves short on this and and it kind of leads me to believe how much attention is the Big Ten office really putting into baseball? You know, are they are they discussing all of these things? Do they realize that this wait, wait a minute, step back, this doesn't make sense. You you, you allow basketball to play non conference, but mm-hmm. baseball, it, it's such a long season. I mean, you got to fill games, and you know, if they do these four game series and and try to do double headers, you know what? The, the weather is not always on the side of this sport, so you're trying to get four games in three days each weekend. I mean, good luck with that as far as having rainouts, having series postponed because of weather, because of cold, and then trying to figure out where to put them. I mean, it's just – I just I, – I really truly feel they have not thought this one through. Those midweek games are so big for the development of your younger players because that's when you usually get a lot of your – your non-weekend pitchers some innings to throw, and that's how you develop programs. It just is so short-sighted, but everything I'm hearing, I don't know that they're budging off of that, and I just it drives me yeah. absolutely batty. You mentioned the hockey huddle that you were a part of for UNO. What's the update? How are the Mavs doing this year? Uh, they look good. In fact, uh, it's funny. They haven't played since, I want to say, December 21st or 22nd when they it was their last game in that pod. They had some COVID issues, uh, so they had to postpone a couple of series in North Dakota, so they were getting ready to go to Colorado College this weekend. And then uh, Colorado College had some issues, so they're pushing that series to Monday and Tuesday. So it does sound like they'll finally be back on the ice on Monday. But without playing, they, I think they ended the pod ranked number 12. Uh, they're nice. already up to number 9. And th- there's there's something about that team that I really like. It's just kind of a, a collectively consistent team. They've got some lines that – 
nothing that's going to really overwhelm you, but they, they've got some depth. They've got a tremendous goalie in Isaiah Seville. So I think people are just excited to see this team get back out there because the way that they finished the pod, uh, there was a lot of momentum. But, I mean, when you have that kind of a layoff, your guess is as good as mine on, on how that's going to affect them, how they're going to look and trying to sort of reestablish what they were able to create during that pod where they were, it was kind of like an NHL schedule. You're playing almost every other night. I'm sure those kids loved it. Now you're kind of getting back into the traditional series that you're used to in college hockey, but being away for almost a month, that that's going to have its impact. I don't think there's any question. All right. Well, keep us posted on that. Great to catch up, get back to your little one. And uh, hopefully we're calling some baseball here before too long. Cannot wait. Thank you so much. It is a privilege for us to be able to get um, Ian Rappaport, the NFL Network, on with us each week. Nobody's more plugged in than Ian. So let's start, Ian, before I get into the games and the matchups this weekend. i got to talk Urban Meyer. Uh, hired this week by the Jacksonville Jaguars. There's been a lot of smoke about it. Are you surprised that it happened and that Urban wanted to get back into coaching? Your thoughts about this? I'm yeah, I kind of am. I, I mean, it's it's weird. Like, I, I I don't know. I haven't really been asked that, so I sort of have been assuming um, that this would all happen. But, you know, it's crazy because he's been up for the Texas job. I know he had some conversations in Washington about that job. He's dabbled with so many big things that, you know, in my head it's kind of like, all right, well, Urban Meyer will, will just do this forever. Um, and I've known the Jacksonville Jaguars have wanted to hire him for some time. Because even before they fired Doug Marone, this was their guy. But him, you know, Urban Meyer, not just entering the NFL, but leaving Ohio, leaving his grandkids, coming back into coaching after the health issues, it's pretty astounding, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's really incredible. What kind of staff do you imagine he'll put together? Are there any rumblings out there who he may put on his staff? Yeah, uh, Scott Linehan seems to have emerged as the you know top offensive coordinator candidate. We'll see on defense. I know he's got some some names in mind, um, but you know the Linehan one stands out because obviously when he was with Detroit, he had a great tenure. When he was with the Cowboys, he was very successful until it kind of came to a frustrating end. But then he was at LSU recently and kind of learned the college game a little bit and really you know figured out kind of what's new in in the NFL and college football. And um, I think it's an intriguing hire, mostly because Linehan is extremely, extremely smart. Um, and it's going to be urban system, but Linehan's going to be calling the plays. I'm fascinated to see what they end up, uh, what they end up doing. What's he walking into as far as cap space? What's the draft look like for them? Obviously they have the number one pick, but can he piece this together pretty quickly in your eyes? I mean, I was kind of laughing during Urban Meyer's press conference because he was basically saying, like, I wouldn't have taken this job if I didn't think I could win. And, oh, my God, it's amazing the resources he has. He's got the number one pick. He's got, I believe, another top ten pick. He's got, like, five picks in the top 37 or something like that. He's got $100 million in cap space. And they're going to build new facilities and really commit to this thing. Um it is an absolute juggernaut in the making. And, you know, as he said, it's primed. It's really primed. And, you know, I think with college football, um, you know, Urban Meyer got his choice of the best players all the time. Um, he's not going to get that in the NFL. But, you know, I would say he's going to have close to that with as many resources as he has in Jacksonville. All right, uh, I'm not as big a splash, but the Jets have also made a hire. Update us on what the Jets have done with their future. 
Yeah, I'd say a big hire, um, big hire for the New York Jets. You know, it's um, Robert Sala, the, you know, standout defensive coordinator for the 49ers. If you've watched a 49ers game, you've seen him on the sideline. He's got the shaved head. He's going nuts. The players love him. And and that's really what you're going to see is, um, you know, someone whose players just have absolute buy-in. Like, scheme-wise, he's great, obviously. He's a great coordinator. But the way he gets players to rally around him uh, is what the Jets want. And I think what they're getting, I mean, I love the hire. I really do love the hire. Is one of his first decisions what to do at the quarterback spot to, to determine whether Darnold is their guy going forward? Yeah, um, and, I, you know, I sort of thought which way it was going to go, and now I'm starting to hear it could go, uh, I don't know. Um, I think it is possible that they keep Darnold, I will say that. Hmm. It's not crazy. Well. They do have the number two pick, but, you know, could they could they trade it? Could they, you know, who who wants to come up and take the best quarterback? right? I mean, you're going to have options. Everyone knows Trevor Lawrence is going number one, so someone could trade up to two for the sort of next number one. Think of what you can build as a franchise with all those picks. That is a lot. Um, And I don't hate the idea of a team coming in and saying, you know what, Sam Darnold's good enough. We're going to build absolutely everything around them before we get our quarterback. Ian Rappaport's with us from the NFL Network here on Sports Island. Let's dive into the games this weekend. The first one's the Rams at the Packers. The Rams showed a lot of toughness, I thought, last week, Ian, and particularly Goff coming in uh, in relief with the surgery just a week or so behind him. Yeah. Do they think they can get a more effective Goff this week as he healed up even more? What's the talk out of L.A.? Yeah, I think he's a lot better. And, you know, last week he, he could barely do anything. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously, like, I, I, for those who watch, like, he could barely throw. I mean, he had one nice throw, nice touchdown at the end, but he could barely throw. Just kind of got out there and somehow got it done. I mean, you know, the stats weren't pretty, but, but Goff is a winner, man. I mean, he really is a winner. Um, I was impressed with him. The team was impressed with him. He also took not being the starter really well as well. Um, I don't know, man. I, I learned a little bit about Jared Goff uh, last week, much more than I already knew. Can they, with that great defense they have, can they put up a bit of a fight against Green Bay or is it too big a mountain to climb in your eyes? They do have a great defense, but, you know, it is it is a mountain. I mean, yeah. I will say that. It is a mountain. At Green Bay is a juggernaut. They're hitting on all cylinders. They're completely healthy. Um, I mean, it's, it's going to be tough. It's not impossible, but the Rams are going to have to score. Uh, they're also going to be able to run the ball at the Packers, and I do wonder if, it's the kind of thing where Aaron Rodgers and the Packers have the ball for like 12 minutes and score 30 points because I do expect a lot on the ground from the Rams as a way of kind of keeping them off the sidelines. Ian, I got to tell you, of all the four games, the one I'm looking forward to the most is the Saturday night game with Buffalo and, and Baltimore. What storylines are developing as you get ready for this one on Saturday night? I mean, you know, on one hand, I'd love to talk about Josh Allen and maturity and him coming into his own and being an elite quarterback, and I do like that. But isn't everyone just wondering how high, you know, what the heights Lamar Jackson can take the Ravens to, right? Like, isn't that kind of what the deal is? Because, you know, that was the first playoff game last week. Um, You know, it was something – first playoff win last week. I think everybody was happy for Lamar. They came back and did it. And now it's like, okay, like you want to create your reputation as a big-time player. This is when it has to happen. You know, I have no doubt – that Josh Allen will be there. For some reason, I feel feel a little more pressure for Lamar Jackson. 
Um, and I'm really looking forward to that game because, you know, the Ravens got a great defense and they're going to do a lot of things to make it hard for Josh Allen. And I mean, that is, uh, you know, that is a pretty fun, that is a pretty fun game. I'll say that. No doubt. Keep an eye on the weather for both of those games tomorrow in Green Bay and Buffalo. Okay, to Sunday. My goodness, did Cleveland have themselves a first quarter Sunday night against Pittsburgh? And the Browns are through the first weekend of the playoffs. It's incredible. What What's their formula to try to pull off a huge upset against Kansas City on Sunday? And, and in part two of that, what's the injury situation like in Kansas City? True story. Um, I was putting my kids to bed on Sunday night, and I'm like, oh, I'll catch uh, – you know, I'll catch the game in the first quarter. I show, I sit down on my couch, it's 28 nothing, and I look at my phone, and all the texts I've got are like, whoa, can you believe this? What happened? Like, it's just <laughs> madness. Um, you know, the Browns got through, um, you know, the Browns got through a really tough stretch. No head coach, a bunch of their stars out due to COVID. This week they could actually practice, which, you know, people say practice helps. Um, <laughs> they have their head coach. He's back in the building. Um, I mean, I think the Browns are, you know, I don't know if they're going to win, but, man, they do have a shot because they're a tough, hard-nosed team that can run the heck out of the ball. And I think they're feeling themselves a little bit. This is like a really good, good slate of games this weekend. And I'm looking forward to getting through some of this coaching news and um, being excited about it. What about the Chiefs' injury situation? Any chance Clyde Edwards-Alaire plays? What about Sammy Watkins? Uh, they certainly needed that week off they got last week. Yeah, I don't have a great feel for Sammy Watkins being able to play. I don't think that's – but Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, you know, that was a scary injury. It was a hip and an ankle um, at the same time. But, yeah, I mean, he certainly needed the bye week, and it sounds like he's in a position to at least try to play. It's the playoffs, so everybody plays. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think they're going to be close to full strength, if not this week, then if they win, I think next week as well. All right, Ian, one, what a big contrast in quarterbacks from that game on Sunday with some young guys and Mahomes and Baker Mayfield to the two graybeard, Dryden, Brady, and Breeze getting ready to match up in that NFC to, to wrap up the weekend. What's got your juices flowing for that game? I'll tell you what, I mean, obviously Brady versus Breeze is great, but the, the Bucks have not been able to move the ball against the Saints. I mean, that Saints defense has their number, and I think – Marshawn Lattimore has Mike Evans' number. So what are we going to see from the Bucks? Are we going to see something different? Are they going to – I mean, is it going to be three in a row? Like, that's – you know, is there, they, they don't like each other. I already know that. They are in the same division. But it hasn't been a rivalry because the Saints have dominated. What are we going to see from the Bucks? Um, I, I'm, I mean, I like all the games, but this one, just as far as a pure X's and O's football matchup, like – is it just going to be a lot of more in Mike Evans the whole time? Like, what actually are we going to see? How is it going to happen? Um, that's going to be fun to check out as well. Going to be good stuff. Ian, we appreciate it. I know it's really busy with the coaching stuff and obviously the playoffs. We appreciate the time. Enjoy the games this weekend, and we'll chat next week. All right. Good stuff, man. Talk to you soon. Thank you. It's time for the weekend preview. The part of the show where we tell you everything you have to watch this weekend. Come in, watch. It'll be a good one. Sometimes we give you good advice. I could watch that all day. But we're not perfect. There were times I'm like, this is so dumb. Why am I watching this? It's the Weekend Preview with Ben McLaughlin. 
And let's go ahead and dive into our weekend preview this week on tap for the sporting world. And should have been a uh, a weekend with a fair amount of Husker sports, but Nebraska men's basketball supposed to play on the road at Maryland. Uh, not to be postponed. Still team activities are paused as far as we know uh, over at Hendricks. So no men's basketball this week. You do have women's basketball against Ohio State at Pinnacle Bank Arena. The Buckeyes coming off a big win on the road at Iowa earlier this week. Uh, Tip-off set for 4 o'clock tomorrow, 345. Pre-game coverage here on the network on at BTN. So Amy Williams' squad, Greg, fresh off a, a trip to Michigan, taking on the Michigan schools. Played pretty well. Nice to see that kind of continue at home against Ohio State. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, that was a good trip up there for them. You get, you get a split on the road against ranked teams, and by the sound of her show on Tuesday night here on the network, might be getting a player or two back, which they've had a skinny bench for a while, but they've had some injuries of some players who are getting close to coming back, so that'll be interesting to see tomorrow whether they get some some uh, added bodies into the onto the bench for in uniform tomorrow for that game. So we'll, we'll look forward to that. And you're right, Buckeyes coming off uh, a good win at Iowa and broke a long Iowa winning streak at home. So it should be a good one tomorrow at 4 o'clock here on the network. So no men's basketball. We do have women's, as we said. We also, for the first time in a while, Greg, have some indoor track and field yeah. on the schedule for the Huskers as the Husker Triangular at the Devaney begins tomorrow at 11.30. So another Husker sport getting started, along with swimming and diving, bowling and rifle as well, all in action this weekend for Husker sports. Again, uh, no update as far as we know on Nebraska men's basketball and when they may resume action next week, uh, we, we are not quite sure. We'll keep you posted when we hear anything. Round number two of the NFL playoffs. It's the divisional round in the NFL. Again, tomorrow, two games. Tomorrow, two games. Sunday, one each AFC, NFC. Right out of the shoot at 335 tomorrow on Fox, you have the Rams and the Packers. Green Bay, of course, getting the one seed. L.A. knocking off Seattle last week. I'm really, really looking forward to Jalen Ramsey against Devontae Adams in this matchup, Greg. Uh, interesting situation brewing on the other side of the ball for LA their quarterback situation um, Wolford who got injured last week for the Rams Goff was their emergency quarterback well Wolford is out uh, he was taken to the hospital last week against Seattle so Goff and Blake Bortles yeah that's right that same Blake Bortles will serve as the backup for the Rams uh, Green Bay at home at Lambeau Going to be snow on the ground, 32 degrees in Green Bay. I think uh, kind of all the arrows pointing to the Packers in this one. How you have not used the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field. I mean, that's just kind of a miss right there. Yeah, we talked about this game. We broke all these games down with Ian last hour. And, you know, the Rams were really showed some toughness going on the road and beating Seattle with the quarterback situation that as it was. And even Ian said, he goes, my gosh, he goes, Goff was just a shadow of his, of his former self, but he gutted his way through it. Their defense is really good. That'll give them a chance against Green Bay, but the Packers are just got to be a huge favorite in this game tomorrow. The weather might help neutralize that a little bit. you got to think some of this system we've been dealing with for the last 12, 16 hours here in, in Nebraska has got to be mo- making its way toward Green Bay. But I just can't, I can't see the Rams putting up near enough points to, to win this game. I, I think it's Green Bay on to the, the <laughs> NFC title game. 
Well, L.A. is going to have to slay kind of two offensive giants in a row. I know Seattle's offense had slowed down a little bit entering the playoffs, but Green Bay is kind of full go right now with Rodgers and Adams. Jalen Ramsey, I would imagine, is going to be lined up against Devontae Adams most of the day. If Ramsey can neutralize Adams, L.A.'s got a shot because you've got to make guys like Marquez Valdez-Scantling and and Robert Tunyon and some of the other receivers for Green Bay beats you. And uh, the other, the other, my key to this one tomorrow is is can Cam Akers get going on the ground again for L.A. like he did? I think he carried it 25 plus times against Seattle. Goff made just the amount of throws that he needed to to win the game, uh, but a, but a tough task for L.A. tomorrow against Green Bay. Okay, and then at 7:15 in the AFC in Orchard Park, you have the Ravens fresh off a nice win over Tennessee last week, and the Buffalo Bills. Uh, off a very narrow victory over the Indianapolis Colts last week at home. Bills, a two-and-a-half-point favorite. How do you see this one going? Ooh, this is the uh, Of the four games, this one has my attention the most. I cannot wait to watch this thing. The Bills' offense is on fire. The Ravens got you know the, the monkey off the back that they couldn't win a playoff game with Lamar Jackson, a quarterback, by winning at Tennessee last week. To me, the Ravens are the, are the hottest team in football. This should be just a tremendous matchup. And, and like I mentioned with the Green Bay game, I think weather could be a bit of a factor in this game. There might be some snow. Who does that favor? I, I, I don't know. To, this is just, uh, to me, it's a coin flip game, Ben. I, I really have a hard time picking a winner in this one. Maybe I'll be wrong and it's a one-sided game, but I, I just think, man, this thing's a field goal game either way tomorrow. Yeah, Buffalo's a two-and-a-half-point favorite, but I agree. I think this is going to be a really tight game. Um Lamar Jackson, I think, will have to throw it some to yep. beat Buffalo. I think Buffalo's run D is a little bit better than Tennessee's. And, um, you know, Lamar Jackson taking off for 100 yards may not work. They might have to they might have to rely on the arm a little bit of Lamar, which uh, hasn't been great lately, but we'll see. Um, we'll see that. And, and how are the Bills coming off? A tight matchup against the Colts. Uh, you know, the Hail Mary attempt fell short for Phillip Rivers and, and the Bills escaped a, 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 with a win there last week. But, uh, yeah, I'm with you. I think this this competitively could be the best game of the weekend, at least uh, from an intrigue standpoint, if you ask me. Okay, let's go to Sunday's matchups next at 2.05. The Cleveland Browns uh, got up huge against the Pittsburgh Steelers last week. Pittsburgh comes back, makes it a game. I think they ended up losing by 11 on the road at Arrowhead, taking on the Kansas City Chiefs. Kansas City a 10-point favorite. I, I do Ooh. not see... Uh, that's a lot of points. I I, I think this game is going to be much tighter than that. I've been nervous all week. Uh, this one on CBS, by the way. Uh, I've been nervous all week about this about this game. Just the way that that Cleveland's kind of entering this. They're kind of getting a lot of parts back. Uh, Denzel Ward, their number one corner, sounds like he's going to be good to go. Chiefs will be without Clyde Edwards-Helaire, I would guess. Uh, he's got a questionable tag uh, labeled on him as well. No Sammy Watkins. No Willie Gay for Kansas City as well and Cleveland's probably feeling themselves a little bit at least offensively and you know Nick Chubb is as hard as guy as any to tackle to the ground and I would imagine Kareem Hunt's pretty fired up uh, to play this game too for Cleveland a lot of play action a lot of ground and pound I think Patrick Mahomes is gonna have his hands full and the other thing that worries me about this game Greg is Patrick Mahomes hadn't played in nearly three weeks so how, how are, are they clicking does it take them a while to get going um, weather should be pretty good, 41 degrees and, and partly cloudy at Arrowhead. 
How do you see this one going, and how are you feeling entering it? Yeah, you know, we had Todd Lebo on from WHB in Kansas City of the night, and we, we talked about the Chiefs basically for the last six, seven weeks of the season were playing very close games. Every week was close. I, I don't, I'm with you. I don't think there's any way they cover the 10. Now, the Chiefs are have now tasted, as Mitch Holtis would, would say, the sweet nectar uh, of, the, of the end zone, I think is his phrase that he uses. So they've tasted the championship. They know what it takes to get there. They know they're not that far away now that it's playoff time. Do they go to another gear? Because I think they have another gear. If they do that, they'll, they'll win this thing comfortably. But you bring out all the points. You got a Cleveland team feeling really good. Finally got to practice this week, right? I mean, they didn't have to sit on the side, but they got all their guys back. Um, but they also, they're in uncharted waters for them. I don't know that they're ready to win a game like this. I think the Chiefs win. My gut says it's pretty close, but I also, championship teams like the Chiefs are now, sometimes they hit this stage of the season and they go, it's go time, let's go prove it, and they might they might lick it and put, on, put it on Cleveland on Sunday. But, uh, yeah, I don't, if I had to lay, if you gun to my head, you got to lay something on the 10 points, I'd probably take the 10 in Cleveland. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking the Browns all day on that line. I, I mean, I just, I'm having nightmares back to, the Chiefs' playoff run last year. I would rather not start down twenty-four nothing again this year, like they did against Houston. Even though Cleveland did that last week against Pittsburgh, Chiefs fell behind. It was twenty-four nothing against Houston. I think it was, you know, fourteen or seventeen or ten nothing against the, the Titans, and they were down big against the Niners in the Super Bowl as well. So I, I would rather not go down that path again. But if that's what it takes to win, then so be it. Again, Kansas City ten-point favorite. 205 on CBS. Then the fourth and final game, and boy, uh, an anxious rematch here. 540 on Fox. You have the Buccaneers taking on the Saints. And um, boy, the Buccaneers, Greg, are really kind of licking their chops to get to this game. Uh, They lost both matchups with New Orleans. They lost one in the first game uh, of the season. They lost by 11. And then we all remember that Sunday night, 38-3 schlacking that the Saints put on uh, Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Does he get his revenge uh, on the third the third go-round? Uh, Saints favored by three in this one. What's the old saying? Hard to beat somebody three times in one year? Well, that's what New Orleans is trying to do. I, I kind of sense an upset here. I kind of sense a Tampa Bay win. I think a lot of people have been pointing to Tampa Bay for a couple of weeks as a team that can make a run. If I've got to pick an upset this weekend, I think this is it. I think I go Tampa in this game to, to knock off the Saints and move into the NFC title game. Tom Brady in the playoffs, just something about it. Wouldn't that be something, find a way to win a playoff game his first year in Tampa Bay? 11 Tim and five is nodding right now. Tim is just like, yeah, yeah, that's my boy. Right, Tim? Yeah. You, you're Tom Brady, here we go. Yeah, I was. I expressed some doubt, I think, at the beginning of this uh, playoff run, but I am fully confident that – uh, the Lord and Savior, also known as TB12, uh, will bring home the Super Bowl ring. They're all in. Tim's all in on, on Tampa Bay. Um, so we'll see how, how that plays out uh, on Sunday, 540. Again, the start time of that one with the matchup in New Orleans, the Big Easy. All right, let's switch gears to some college hoops. Big Ten style for the weekend. A couple of games already postponed, including Nebraska and Maryland. We'll Let's talk first about Ohio State and Illinois. Buckeyes really need a win at 10-3. and three. They've uh, stumbled lately 4-3 and three in the league. Illinois 14th in the polls. This one at the State Farm Center in Champaign. Tip-off at 11. 
Um, how, how do you see this matchup? And I, I kind of feel like Ohio State's probably a little more hungry than Illinois is. Maybe. Illinois, though, you know, missed the game midweek because of Nebraska. That, that was to be the midweek game for the Oscars, so they haven't played in a couple days. And, and Illinois is in a stretch where it seems like every game is really close. The Buckeyes got a nice win last weekend at Rutgers. I think they're kind of underappreciated right now. That should be a heck of a game. And that, that should be really – that's one you need well, – what time's that one, Tip? 11, 11 o'clock. Oh, perfect. That one's before the, the NFL games get going? Absolutely. You lock into that bad boy right, right there first thing tomorrow. Go, let's do it. Yeah, and you might be able to check out most of the next game at, as well at 1 o'clock. The uh, first game not kick until 3.30. You should be able to watch it, all of, if not most of, 7th-ranked Michigan at 23rd-ranked Minnesota at the Barn. Williams Arena, ESPN2, Michigan, Greg, 11-0 and and 6-0 and in league play. Yeah, and I've seen a couple of the bracketologists. Yep, they're back, folks. There we are, mid-January. Absolutely time to get the bracketologists. Joe Lenardi time. Here we go. A lot of them are now saying Michigan, a number one seed. How can you not? I mean, they're undefeated in the best league in the country. I think they keep it going. I think they win at the barn tomorrow over Minnesota. How about a 41-6 to run against Wisconsin earlier this Ooh. week? I don't know that I've ever seen that with a matchup of two top ten teams. No, and the way six run and the way Wisconsin plays, that's hard to do against them. They play such great defense, and they're such a veteran team. I mean, they're older than the Globetrotters. I mean, but to, to be able to do that on them, that's pretty impressive. One other matchup postponed. This one on Sunday: Indiana and Michigan State banged due to protocols on the Michigan State side of things. But there are a couple of games on Sunday as well at 11 o'clock on CBS, fifth-ranked Iowa at now unranked Northwestern. That was a bit of a flash in the pan. Mm-hmm. Northwestern started 3-0, and and they're now 3-4 and in the Big Ten. Yeah, yeah that, that, you're right. That flash in the pan's a good term. You, cu- you saw them win, and you're going, nah, that's, that's cute. But that that isn't going to last. <laughs> and you know, there's so many there's so many media people with Northwestern diplomas that whenever you know, whenever they do something, it just b- blows up in the big. Eye. So they've come crashing back to earth, and it's going to continue. I was I was a load. That's a really good basketball team. They'll take care of the cats. That's at eleven at noon in West Lafayette and Mackey Arena. You've got Purdue. Nine and five on the year, four and three in Big Ten play against Penn State. Who? Who was zero and three Penn in State? Big Ten play? Zero and three. They played seven games. <laughs> seven. They're, they're games. still playing. They, apparently, <laughs> they're 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 back from the hiatus. It's their first game in twenty twenty one. So what? Oof. Sunday's the seventeenth. They've not played in twenty twenty one yet. Unbelievable. That is crazy. They yeah. did. I I saw Penn State came out with kind of some makeups. They're going to play like three games in a week and later in the month to try to get some of those games back. But whoa, they they've real they really got hit hard by the virus. Four games uh, bounced in a row for Penn yeah. State. Greg, they did play Michigan to a four point game mm-hmm. yeah. uh, in Ann Arbor to start conference play. Illinois blitzed them pretty good, and they lost by two to Indiana. So two of their three losses have been by four and by three. Uh, to pretty good teams, so I'm in, I'm intrigued to see what team shows up for Penn State, um, you know, as this thing gets started. So it'll be interesting to find out how that uh, how that goes. Um, we'll check out some other matchups uh, around college basketball on Fox Sports One at 11 on Saturday. Marquette and St. John's, North Carolina and Florida State, two teams unranked but historically pretty good. That one also tips at 11 on ESPN. 17th ranked Missouri battles Texas A&M. Uh, that one on Saturday as well, early afternoon. Iowa State and Kansas, 
One o'clock tip at Allen Fieldhouse in Lawrence. Creighton will battle Butler tomorrow at one o'clock on FS1. That would at Hinkle Fieldhouse. May not be the last time Creighton plays there uh, with the news of uh, the, the, the NCAA tournament being yeah. in Indiana. How about Kentucky, Greg? Four and seven oh. overall. There, there are three and one in the SEC, though, but not used to seeing Kentucky strong much. Three games under 500 at this point of the year. They were, or weren't they like one and six at one point, or something like something like that? So yeah, the, the, their league record is kind of building it up a little bit. But it, it, hey, what Calipari tries to do year after year with all these one and dones, that that is almost impossible to not hit a pothole at some point in time where it doesn't fall into place for you. I mean, it's it's remarkable that he's been able to get the production out of those guys that he does year after year with brand new teams. You just can't do it every year, and I think we're seeing a great example of that this year with the Cats. Other good games we should fight in different conferences. In the Big 12 at 3 o'clock, you've got ranked and undefeated Baylor uh, in Lubbock taking on 15th-ranked Texas Tech. Mac McClung hits a game winner against the Longhorns earlier this week for the Red Raiders. Maybe a little mojo for them as they battle second-ranked Baylor at 3 o'clock on ESPN. And in the ACC, you have 18th-ranked Virginia, 8-2, and 4-0 in the league against 12th-ranked Clemson. Tigers up to 12 in the polls. Uh, they're nine and one as well, and then if you night owls, college basketball fans, you can see the number one ranked team in the country, Gonzaga, on the road at St. Mary's to finish it up on Saturday night. Late tip, nine o'clock tip, uh, right there, and we'll finish our weekend rewind or weekend preview rather up with some NBA. The new look Houston Rockets and the San Antonio Spurs tip at four on Saturday on NBA. TV. This is John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins and Victor Oladipo's team now, at least Oladipo for the time being. Some rumors that he may head to Miami. We'll see if that manifests itself as well. You've got the Hornets and the struggling Raptors tipping at 630 on NBA TV. For those that want to watch LaMelo ball get going, John Morant perhaps making his return to the floor against the 76ers tomorrow. Uh, He's listed as questionable. We had a, uh, as the Grizzlies are in action. We had a buy-sell question on the ball boys, didn't we, the other night? Yep. Yeah, I had one. It was uh, LaMelo gets two triple-doubles before Lonzo. So we'll, uh, was that, I, I took the younger one. I took LaMelo. Did you? Okay. When, so that wasn't the question that got made fun of. The question that got made fun of was the Blues question. Was that the one that everybody kind of hammered on the other night? I'm just yeah, I'm hearing think, this secondhand. Yes. Yeah. Everyone made fun of the Blues question. And to Tim's defense, I think the Blues won that question. I think they won four to one. So uh, Tim's probably giggling to himself back there. Um, the uh, the NBA, though, Greg, is running into a lot of COVID issues. Yeah. They, they've had, I think before today's action, they've had nine games total postponed. Eight of them happened this week and even more this weekend. Pacers, Suns postponed. Um, and then also this weekend, you've got Uh, The Cavaliers and the Wizards postponed as well. uh, Washington is the team that can't get eight players. That's that's the magic number in the NBA. you got to have eight players be able to dress, and uh, right now they cannot do that. Uh, Triple header on NBA TV on Sunday, the Knicks and the Celtics. Uh, Celtics will be without Jason Tatum. They've been dealing with COVID issues quite a bit as well. The Sixers back in action against the Thunder. Isaiah Roby. Greg, starting to get some minutes. It was fun watching Isaiah Roby play against LeBron James and Anthony Davis and the Lakers the other night. Sure was. Think we can get a hold of him? Might be able to track him down. Yeah, it'd be good to catch up with him, I think. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that, that's just had to be a bit of a reality check, you know, playing yeah. in the Big Ten and then showing up and lacing him up and guarding LeBron James. Little different, pretty cool uh, opportunity for Isaiah Roby. And then at nine o'clock, the Indiana Pacers eight and four on the year against Paul George and the L.A. Clippers. So decent, decent matchups uh, this weekend in the NBA as well. So a lot of basketball, but I think it's you know the showstopper is going to be the NFL with the four playoff games. Absolutely. It's going to be fun. The golfers are still in Hawaii. They've, they've moved from Maui to Oahu. It's the Sony Open this weekend. We'll see how that goes. So for those of you who like watching golf about this time of night, they're still playing because it's still daylight over there. So should be a good weekend. Good stuff there. Final segment of the night, final segment of the week here at Sports Island. We always save this little segment for our winners and losers of the week of sports. Ben, lead us off. Yeah, my winner's obvious. Eric Shenander won the week for me with all of those returners coming back. Um, he's got to be doing some cartwheels uh, in his house someplace in Lincoln with uh, you know his vision for 2021 and, and to the start that his, his group has got to. So Eric Shenander, by far the biggest winner of the week for me. My loser of the week, I'm going James Harden again. Um, and I guess I should broaden it up and – uh, throw Kyrie Irving in there. I mean, it's just it's been such a nightmare already, and these guys haven't even hit the floor yet. James Harden burning a lot of bridges from Houston on his way out with that quote unquote press conference that he had, saying he's done everything he, he could do for Houston, and um, all of that stuff uh, is behind him, and you know th- that it, was, it couldn't be fixed, and that you know kind of forced the hand of Houston into a trade, and uh, he's off to Brooklyn where Kyrie Irving has been MIA for. God only knows how long he, he he can be back on Sunday, I guess, as the soon as he could be there. But it's been a mess, and I can't imagine that this is going to work very well in Brooklyn. But what do I know? <laughs> that uh, it's either going to be great or it could be a train wreck. I mean, you talk about kind of putting together a dream team in a way with KD there, and uh, I don't know. It, it, they could end up being really good, but I'm not sure there's enough basketballs. Right? I mean, that's going to be the problem. How do you keep everybody happy? Yeah, it's going to be tough. <laughs> it's yeah. going to be really tough. All right, Tim. All right, well, Ben stole my my losers. They're definitely deserving James Harden and Kyrie Irving. I guess I'll throw this in there as well. Josh Gordon has been suspended yet again. Stop me if you've heard <laughs> that before. Uh, he's at tw- I think he's only 29. He's been suspended like five times in his career. I'm not really sure what the terms are this time, but he's struggled with some substance abuse issues and has been suspended many, many times. He's a talented wide receiver, but – Man, he has not seen much of the field uh, for several years now due to all those suspension issues, so uh, not good. My winner of the week, I begrudgingly admit, the New York Jets actually made a good hire. Uh, Robert Sala, uh, the former uh, 49ers defensive coordinator, he looks to be a tremendous coach, and, you know, who knows, uh, maybe or maybe not, he won't be able to get that uh, that ship turned around in New York, but at the very least, the Gase hire was always a head-scratcher. Uh, and it didn't pan out, to say the least. So uh, the Jets are winners, at, if by anything else, just because they, they got rid of Adam Gase. So no matter who they hired, it was going to be an upgrade. J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 Jets. Is Eric Bieniemy going to get passed over again, guys? Sounds it, like it. 
What sure in the world? Like I saw that that Matt Miller tweet, you know, talking about how there were some concerns with with the fact that he's a Andy Reid protege, which doesn't make much sense to me. And that because there's a Super Bowl run, that actually might hurt, work against his favor because he can't take over right away or might not be willing to take over right away. Uh, that's strange. Uh, if I were a GM, I would have pulled the trigger on the enemy a while ago and I would have given him a shot. So I, I don't know. That's that's bizarre to me that he hasn't gotten a head coaching job just yet he must some disconnect somewhere because he's interviewed for like 20 jobs so something something's going on his interviews must be bad right he must crash and burn in the interview i I just don't get it and and being an andy reed off the andy reed tree is like goldmine look at all the guys in the playoffs and stuff that have connections to andy reed it's just crazy to me that these jobs atlanta filled up today i mean i just it's crazy that these things are kind of jumping over the have the lion have the lion's pick their guy yet no they've they zeroed haven't. in on on i think that saints assistant coach uh, that hmm. ian had earlier but okay. uh, i don't think they've actually made that official yet so apparently the enemy won't be getting that job either but who knows no well okay all right my, my winners oscar women's basketball team winners of three of the last four including the sunday victory at number 21 michigan state playing some good basketball despite some things going against them with the shortened bench that they've had uh, and hopefully maybe getting somebody back, maybe more than one back tomorrow in that game against Ohio State. I think she's done a tremendous job piecing that thing together and excited to watch them can compete some more, starting with tomorrow's game against the Ohio State Buckeyes. So Amy Williams and that women's basketball team, my winners. And, and I hope I'm wrong on this thing, guys, but right now I'm going to put in the loser category Big Ten baseball because by all accounts it sounds like the conference is going to hold to only conference games where a lot of leagues are going, yeah, let's just go. Let's just going to go play our normal schedule. We know we're going to get games postponed, canceled, or whatever, but let's just roll with it. But it doesn't sound like it, Ben. doesn't sound like the Big Ten is going to budge off this thing. Not the only time the Big Ten has been in the loser category since this segment's been acquired. Crazy stuff. And, 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 hey, people people have asked me, well, wait a minute. We played non-conference basketball games, right? Yeah, yep. you did. And and then and then you'll have other people say, well, it's kind of a money-saving thing. Really? What's it cost to get a bus to go to Omaha for, for a yeah. couple of hours to play a game? That's, our, that's a huge Manhattan. expense. Really? Come on. There's no overnight stays for a lot of these. And it's not just Nebraska. All those schools back in Indiana and Ohio, they play max schools and it's all a bus ride, and a lot of them are at home, so you don't even go anywhere. So I, it cannot be a cost issue. I don't know what's going on in that league office. It's just so frustrating, and I hope it changes. But uh, that's my sermon for the day.